probably takes the longer than I thought. Sorry. So embarrassing. Oh, is this on already? Oh, thank you. Okay. Well, that's this is great. Oh, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Is it is this Sunday? Yeah. All right. So no, hang on a second. Sorry. Oh my goodness. I'm so sorry. All right, thanks, man. All right. Oh my goodness. I'm so sorry, you guys. Uh, good morning, everybody. All right. I, uh, hang on, my mic is all messed up. Do I have this on right? Hang on, I forgot my Bible. Hang on a second. Okay, I got it. At least I didn't have to go to the bathroom. That would have been... Okay, I don't know if I got this on right. All right, I, uh, I've never had this happen before, but uh, I just totally overslept. and uh, I forgot it was Sunday. I got a little too much carried away with uh, Bible school this week. And uh, so I apologize. Uh, at least I made it here on time, kind of. I'm late, but uh, if not, Jason would have had to preach. So that would have been really bad, trust me. Um, <laughs> So, uh, I don't, yeah, <laughs> have you, uh, man, have, have you ever had like a situation where you, uh, you knew you had to be somewhere, you knew you had to do something, but either you just totally failed to prepare or you, you uh, were totally undisciplined going into it. And so you're just all messed up. Maybe it was uh, a, a meeting and, and you showed up and you were totally not ready for it, or, or maybe it was a test, an exam, and you showed up and you knew it was coming and, and uh, you just, you didn't study. And uh, maybe it was a major paper or presentation and you just threw it together last minute and it, it, didn't, it didn't go very well. I am I the only person these things happen to? <laughs> okay, thanks kids, I appreciate that, <laughs> I do. I do, I really, I really appreciate it. I, uh, I'm, I'm a, yeah, a little out of sorts because I'm, I'm, you know, just uh, not, not prepared. And if, if, you, uh, if you've ever felt that tension of not being ready, not being prepared, and then when the deadline comes, you know, like just that overwhelming feeling that, that you, you've experienced, then you, know you know how troubling that is, you know? And, and Jesus taught us that at the moment of his return, there are going to be billions of people who aren't ready. So many know that he's coming, have heard that he's coming. So many have been told for years and years and years that the return is going to happen. It could happen at any time. It could happen at any moment. But what Jesus tells us is that when that day actually comes, the, the overwhelming majority of people will not be found ready. Completely caught off guard, completely unprepared. 
In fact, Jesus goes so far as to tell us that at the moment of his return, he says it's like two men standing in a field and one is taken and one is left and two women grinding at the mill and one is taken and one is left. He's talking about a sudden coming. Like once he returns, like that's it. The the men in the field don't get time to go home and order their affairs and ready themselves. The women grinding at the mill don't get time at that point to, to go home and to prepare their families and their loved ones. When he returns, that is the end. And Jesus talks in several places about the suddenness of this coming. And he even says, in addition to this suddenness of it, like that people are taken, done, that's it. Time will be over. You know what else Jesus says? Jesus tells us that when he returns, the entire earth will mourn. Not rejoice, not celebrate, not cheer, they will mourn. Why? Because most of the earth will receive his coming in an unprepared state. There will even be some of his people who will receive his coming in an unprepared state. Jesus will return. And even those who are anticipating and awaiting will be caught off guard in such a way that they will have regret. And the coming of Jesus will not be received with joy and enthusiasm. And yes, Lord, I have been waiting to see you. It will be an, oh no, I can't believe he's already here. (laughs) And so Jesus tells a string of parables about being prepared when he returns. He talks about the fact that so many people will be unprepared, others will be busy with things, but the return will catch them even off guard. And then he highlights for us what it looks like to truly be found faithful and ready so that we can receive Jesus with joy. I hope today that your posture toward King Jesus is one, that your lives, your faithfulness are such that when the Lord returns, you will not receive him with mourning or shock or disappointment, but you will receive him with joy for he is coming. Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to Matthew chapter 25 as we look at one of these incredible parables about preparedness in light of the coming of Jesus. Not being caught unprepared, not being found unfaithful at his return, being ready, being excited, anticipating with enthusiasm our master's return. Jesus here in Matthew 25 is is, is talking about the end times. In fact, if you go back to Matthew 24, you find one of my favorite passages in all the Bible on the end times, on what it's going to look like when Jesus returns. He walks through the, the condition 
conditions of his coming. And then in Matthew 25, he tells a string of parables about what it looks like to be ready and to be prepared. And we're going to look at the parable of the three servants or the parable of the talents. And Jesus here gives us an incredible story to illustrate what it looks like for you and I to not just be ready, but to be overjoyed at the Lord's return. Let me give you a simple takeaway. I hope you'll jot this down. I've got several things I hope that you'll take home with you today with respect to our preparedness. But I want you to see this is what the entire parable of the talents is about. And then we'll look at it, that we are to entrusted with gifts and resources in order to yield a return before our master's return. What we're going to see is that you and I have been entrusted with gifts and resources so that we might yield a return before the master's return. Jesus tells the parable of the three servants or the parable of the talents. We begin in verse 14. Check this out. Jesus says, now again, here's what the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by. It, it, can be, it, it can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. And he called together his servants and he entrusted his money to them while he was gone. Notice here that these servants are managing the master's property. And we know that servants had varying degrees of responsibilities in the first century. And here Jesus tells a story that again, connects to culture. And it's a story with a real life context because there were masters with servants with varying degrees of responsibility. And Jesus here emphasizes that the master is going to be on a long journey. There is emphasis in this parable on the duration of the master's trip. He's going to be gone a long time. Look what happens next, verse 15. And so he gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. And then he left on his trip. Now, the, the word talent there is a word that's translated here, a bag of silver. A talent was not a, a, a coin or a specific unit of money. It, it was actually a, a weight measurement. It was like, it's translated here, a bag of silver. But here's what you have to understand. A talent was worth a significant amount of money. The bag of silver for the average servant was worth 20 years of labor. That's a lot of money. Just one bag of silver, one talent was worth 20 years of labor. And so remember, when Jesus tells parables, often he does one, two, or three things. In this parable, he does all three. Number one, he uses hyperbole or exaggeration to make a point. The fact that the servants are receiving from their master talents is hyperbole. It is a massive amount of money. The one servant receives five, the second receives two, the last receives one. Even the guy that received one talent, one bag of silver, receives 20 years worth of labor. 
That, this, these are huge amounts of money. Jesus is using hyperbole. Secondly, Jesus will often tell stories with a pattern and in the breaking of the pattern, we find the meaning of the parable. This parable is going to be no different. And then Jesus often tells parables where the main point happens at the end with some type of shock and awe. And that's what we're gonna see. And so I just wanna set this up as we're getting into this. I want you to see that this parable starts off with hyperbole Hyperbole. It's going to lead to a pattern. And then at the end, Jesus is going to reveal a shocking truth. And so, and so here's the hyperbole. These three servants get an insane amount of money. Huge amounts of money. One, five bags of silver. One, two, one has one. And then notice here that the master divides these talents based on the abilities of the servants. Here's a misunderstanding we often have when we look at this story, is that talents for us is just something that we have, something that we possess. No, that's not accurate. Talents are opportunities that are based on our natural abilities. You need to understand the difference. Talents as applied to us are not just our abilities. No, 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 talents are the opportunities based on our abilities. The talents distributed to these servants are distributed based on their natural abilities, opportunities based on their natural abilities. And notice the first guy here is an overachiever, right? This guy's up at the crack of dawn. He has his protein shake. He goes through his exercise routine. He puts on his nicely pressed clothing. He gets to work early. He greets everyone he sees. He has tremendous vision and oversight for his role. That guy gets five bags of silver. The second guy gets up right before the alarm goes off, not much before that. He gets in the shower, he has his routine, he puts on his pocket protector, he goes in to the office and he just does what he's assigned to do. He's faithful and he's good at what he does. He gets two bags of silver. The third guy rolls out of bed 15 minutes late, picks up a wrinkled shirt off the pile in front of the bed. He sprays a little bit of ax spray on it on his way out the door, right? He has some bubble gum to suffice for brushing his teeth. He gets to the office, his hair is disheveled. He hardly knows what day it is. He gets one bag of silver. <laughs> Talents are opportunities based on natural abilities. And the master here wisely and graciously gives to each of his servants what is commensurate with their abilities. In other words, he doesn't ask more of them than what they are able to do. All right, so we continue. Look at verse, oh, where are we here? Hang on, 16. <laughs> Today I'm playing the part of the third servant in case you haven't figured it out yet, all right? <laughs> Check this out. So the servant who received five bags of silver began to invest the money and he earned five more. And the servant with two bags of silver also went to work and he earned two more. Here's the breaking of the pattern. You expect to hear, and the servant who received one bag of silver invested it and earned one more. Mm -mm. The servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and he hid his master's money. 
And then check this out. The master returned after his long trip. What type of trip was it? A long trip. See the emphasis here? He's gone a long time. And after he finally returns from this long trip, he approaches his servants. He calls them to an account of how they used his money. And the servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I have earned five more. He's overjoyed. He's enthusiastic. He's been anticipating his master's return. And when the master finally comes back, he can't wait to see him and to talk to him about how he was stewarded the, the, the master's possessions. The servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you you gave me two bags of silver to invest and I have earned two more. Same percentage of return. He's not begrudging the fact that he got two and the other got five. He doesn't feel bad or insecure or disappointed in the fact that he only earned two and the other earned five. No, he did exactly with two what the man with five did with his five. And so he has the same measure of joy, the same measure of enthusiasm. And notice here, the servant with five and the servant with two, hear these words from the master in verse 23. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. And so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. May I just point out to you that the hyperbole of Jesus, the exaggeration of Jesus on full display. Do you notice the master comes back and he says with literally an amount of money that these two men could have never earned really in their lifetimes. Jesus says through this story, he says, the master replies, yeah, you've done well with this small amount. And now I'm gonna give you more. If you're paying attention, that should shock you. Wait a minute, small. This is not, one guy got five talents, the other guy got two. This is, I mean, we're talking about millions of dollars in our economy. And the, and the master says, you, you've done well with the little I entrust you. Now I'm gonna give you a lot. Well, what's the master talking about? Well, of course, Jesus is telling a parable on the kingdom of heaven. Here's what Jesus is saying. What at times appears like a lot for us in this life is nothing compared to the glory and the reward in the life to come. He says, five talents, a hundred years worth of labor. You've done well managing that little bit. Wait till you see what I have for you in the days to come. He says, you've done well. And so now you're gonna have more to manage. Now I'm gonna bless you all the more. He says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Now, now let's go to the third, let's go to the third servant here, all right? 24, he says, the servant comes and he says, well, master, notice the change in the pattern now. We're gonna see what comes at the end here. This is, this, this is why Jesus is telling the parable here. Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid that I would lose your money. And so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. And the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and, you, and then I gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you at least deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten small, some small interest on it. Now that may seem like a harsh response to you, but I want you to see that this man absolutely wasted in selfishness what the master gave to him for this reason, okay? He 
given the delay of the master's return, comes to the conclusion that he's not coming back. And instead of multiplying the investment and working hard and honoring the master, he comes to the conclusion the master's not coming back. And so he buries the treasure in a field, which is again, a truckload of money. And he, and only he knows where that treasure is buried. And when the master is proven to not come back, because at this point he's been gone a long time, he doesn't think he's coming back, that man's gonna go and dig up that money himself and he's gonna keep it. That's why the master says, you're not just lazy, you're wicked. You aim to spoil the investment on yourself. And here's the worst part, this third servant is shocked at the master's return, completely unprepared. The master told him he was coming, but he didn't believe it. The delay convinced him that the master was never gonna return and therefore he squandered it in selfishness, thinking at some point he's gonna keep it and, and, and now he's in a world of trouble. And the worst part is, listen to me, he tries to blame it on the master. Well, I knew you were a harsh man, a cruel man. Really? Because if he were harsh and cruel, he would have expected for you to return five talents in the same way the first guy did. He didn't expect you to return five. No, he gave you an amount based on your abilities. You have no excuse. He told you he was coming back. You have no excuse. If the master simply wanted his servants to bury the treasure in a field somewhere, he could have done that himself. It's implied in the distribution of the resources that an investment be returned, that a yield be given, that a return be produced before the master's return. That's implied in the distribution of the assets. If it's not implied, the master could have just buried the talents himself. He didn't need them to do it. And so you see here the wicked heart of this servant, the selfishness of this servant, who, given the master's delay, is convinced that, that he can hide it and, and the treasure, and then he can just keep it for himself. And then here is the boom. <laughs> what happens at the end? We've seen the exaggeration here with the money. It's a ton of money. We've seen here the break of the pattern. Now check it out, verse 28 following. So then Jesus says this. So he, he ordered, take the money from the servant and give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. Give it to the one who was the most able and proved to be faithful. For to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. And now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That is the end of the story. You say, Jesus, this is not how we do things here in 21st century America. We like, we like stories with happy endings. Um, you're supposed to be a little more positive, okay? It's not gonna play well on television if um, you're preaching a message like this. I mean, Jesus, how are we gonna sell books that end with you're going to hell? <laughs> See you later. You know, he who has ears to hear, let him hear kind of thing. Man, this is a sobering word. This is why Jesus says in Matthew 24, if you go back, when I return, the world will mourn. When I return, the world will be shocked. And so what about you and me? 
You and I need to understand that we are entrusted with gifts and resources in order to yield a return before our master's return. May I say it to you this way by way of application? You and I need to develop what God has deposited. You and I have the privilege, the responsibility to to develop what God deposits in us. You know what God does for you and me? He gives us talents, opportunities that are based on our abilities and it is our privilege to yield a return before his return. You see, this is, this is implicit here. Jesus is urging us to productivity, to faithfulness, and to develop what God has deposited. Say, okay, how do I do that today? Well, let me give you just a couple of takeaways. I encourage you to take these down and ponder them this week. First of all, in order for you to develop what God has deposited, you have to, you have to make this statement. You have, to, you have to own this. I will see myself as a manager and not the owner. I want you to understand this morning that God is the owner of all things. You and I don't own a single thing, not even the breath that is in our lungs. We are managers, not owners. We use the language of my house, my car, my life, my kids, my family, my job, my career, my retirement. I get it. We mean mine as opposed to yours. And I'm okay with that language as long as we understand that mine is not mine if I'm talking about God, because he's the owner. And he is good and all that he entrusts to us and all that he asks of us with regards to our stewardship is good and for our good. Can I remind you what James 1.17 says? Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He is the creator of all things, the giver of all good things. He gives us the use of his breath, space on earth, material resources, but they are not ours. I loved being a parent of smaller children and and hearing my kids at times say, dad, no, you cannot come into my room. Any of you ever experienced that? Well, that's funny. I don't remember seeing your name on the mortgage. No, dad, you can't see what's on my phone. (laughs) Try me. Yeah, yeah, that's my phone that I give you the use of. No, 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 dad, that's my car. I can drive it wherever I want. (laughs) Yeah, it's your car. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, 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 that's my car. And I'm happy for you to use it when you're not acting like the third servant in the parable of the talents. (laughs) Isn't it the role of a parent to remind our children, especially when they're young? No, 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 it's not, it's not your stuff, your house. No, 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 I own that, I own that. The, the same is true for us. Listen, God is the owner of all that we have. All that he gives us is good. All that he asks us to do with what he entrusts to us is good. And we cannot make the same mistake as the third servant and think that just because our master is 
delayed, it seems like he's delayed in his return, that we're not going to be accountable for what our God has entrusted to us with respect to the good things he has given to us. If you would have asked the apostles if there would be a 2021, they would have said, absolutely not. Oh, Jesus is going to return way before that. If you had asked the reformers, will there be a 2021? Absolutely not. Jesus will come way before that. If you ask us, will there be a 2050, a 2121? Uh, I don't know, man. It seems like the time is getting near. Do you realize we've been in the last days for 2,000 years now? We are in the last days. There is no other major event on God's calendar except for the second coming of Jesus. We are in the last days. But hear the teaching of Jesus here. He's saying in the master's delay, there are going to be people who squander what the master gives to them. And in order for us to not fall into that trap, we have to first see ourselves as managers and not owners and understand that our master is coming back. And when he does, he's going to require an account of how we have managed what he's given to us. Matthew 24 says this, when the son of man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time that Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was gonna happen until the flood came and swept them all away. And this is the way it's gonna be when the son of man comes. Jesus, I'm telling you, I'm coming. And because of the delay, people are gonna get lazy. People are gonna make excuses. People are gonna doubt the character of God. Jesus is saying to us through this parable, don't you doubt my character. Don't you doubt my promises. Don't you doubt my faithfulness. When I tell you I'm coming, I am coming. And there may be a delay, but make no mistake about it, I'm coming back. And therefore, those of us who are managers of what he's entrusted to us, Better manage wisely and faithfully what he gives to us because when he comes back, we're gonna have to give an account. Secondly, make a note of this. We have to have this commitment. How how do we develop what God has deposited? Well, you say, I will see myself as a manager, not the owner. Secondly, I will be faithful with the opportunities that arise out of my abilities. May I just encourage you today that your opportunities, your talents are given to you based on your abilities. If you're a five-talent person, a two-talent person, a one-talent person, it doesn't matter. God's only going to hold you accountable for what he's entrusted to you, not what he's entrusted to anybody else. John Ryle once said this about these bags of silver, talents. He said, anything whereby we may glorify God is a talent. Our gifts, our influence, our money, our knowledge, our health, our strength, our time, our senses, our reason, our intellect, our memory, our affections, our privileges as members of Christ's church, our advantages as possessors of the Bible, all of these are talents. And again, we will be accountable for the use of them. Here's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5. He said, so whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please God. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. And we will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we've done in this earthly body. What is Paul saying? Same thing Jesus is saying. The master is going to return. We should not be discouraged by his delay, but we should be diligent, developing what he has deposited, knowing that we will be accountable for what he's entrusted to us. Because he's only entrusted to us the opportunities that are based on our abilities. 
Hey, can I, can I just ask you to just to contemplate this truth this week in an age of social media where we're constantly comparing ourselves to others? It can be so discouraging at times to look at the lives of others and to see all of their, their best footage and highlight reels on social media. When we look at our lives and our families at times, we think, man, I'll, I'll, never, I'll never get there. And sometimes if you're a one or a two talent kind of person, you look at a five talent person and you know what, what happens in our society that's unique to the history of the world? All the five talent people are constantly posting their five talent pictures on social media. And it can be very, very discouraging. But here's the reality. None of us have it all together. All of us have unique challenges and issues. None of us are perfect. And we have the assurance that God's only gonna hold us accountable to use what he's entrusted to us to use. And what he's entrusting to us is commensurate with our natural abilities and and our natural giftedness. Listen, I, I, I love social media. It's fun, but I mean, we, we just have to have a reality, reality check. Let me, get, let me give you an example, okay? I, I brought her picture with me. This is like from, I don't know, several months ago, but, but we were over at the, at, at, at the beach and here's a picture of my wife and my two boys. And, and uh, I, didn't, I don't think I posted this, but that's a, listen, that is an Instagram worthy photograph. Would you not agree? Now, can I tell you what happened right before this picture? My wife's like, Boys, I'd like to have my picture. Come on, let me get my picture. Oh, mom, I don't want to get my picture. No, come on, guy, come on. No, I don't want to get a picture. No, come on, guy, come on. Boys, just get it. It's going to take two seconds. Just get, oh, I don't want to get my picture taken. Come on, guys, daggone, just get your stupid picture taken with your mother. So, so then let me show you what happened right before the Instagram picture, okay? This is what it looked like, okay? My youngest son took the hat off my wife, put it on himself. Now he looks like something you don't want to look like in today's culture. And then I finally get them together and my oldest daughter's photobombing the thing. I'm like, can we not just get the picture? The sun's about to go down. This is what happened for a week before we finally got the Instagram worthy photo. Has that ever happened to you? Those of you with young kids, is it not the truth? You just scream family photo time. Some of us are old enough. We used to go to Olin Mills or JCPenney, right? And then I said, just sit down and smile. Come on, everybody happy, 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 right? <laughs> People walk in your house. They see that Olin Mills. They think, oh, you must be a five talent person. You went to Olin Mills and say, well, yeah, no, I went to Sears because I'm a seminary student. And, you know, and then you do all this, right? And back and forth. And, oh, what a beautiful photo. They don't see what happened, right, leading up to it. And social media just makes it 10 times worse now because we're always comparing ourselves to these highlight reels and, and these, these pastors and leaders and all their Bible quotes and all this stuff. And you say, oh, look how spiritual they are. And oh, and, and listen, we don't know what's really going on behind this. Here's what we know. Here's the confidence you can have today. When Jesus, the owner, returns, he's only gonna hold you accountable for what he's entrusted to you. He's not gonna hold you accountable for what he's given to somebody else. Your talents or abilities based on, or opportunities based on your abilities, God's only gonna hold you accountable for that. But I'm telling you, so many of us have incredible opportunities, just incredible opportunities. 
And I think in this upcoming year at Bell Shoals, you know, I, I think about what we can do across all five of our campuses if every single member of Bell Shoals maximizes the return on the master's investment. Just think about it. Think about the missionaries we can support. Think about the church planners that we could launch. You think about the local ministries that we can offer. Man, you just think about what we can do. I told you a few weeks ago, if every single giving unit at Bell Shoals gave just $50 more a month this year, if those of you who are connecting to our church and you've never really had a pattern of giving and generosity and leveraging even your dollars for kingdom work, if that happened, listen, just $50 a month from every giving unit, it's almost a million dollars this year. Over and above where we are now, you think about what we can do in terms of of um, maximizing kingdom. Listen, if we saw our careers as more than just something to put food on the table, if we saw them as opportunities to influence and invest, then what if we saw our education? What if we saw our families? What if we saw our communities where we live? I'm just saying, you've been given tremendous resources. Tremendous opportunities based on your abilities. Jesus is saying, do something with it. Don't be discouraged because I haven't come back yet. I'm coming. I'm telling you I'm coming. It's a long delay, but I'm coming back. And when I do, I'm gonna ask you what you did with the talents that I gave to you. And so we must develop what he's deposited. How? Well, we have to see ourselves as managers, not owners. We have to be faithful with the opportunities that arise out of our abilities, not somebody else's, ours. And then lastly, we just make a note of this. Listen, I, I will work hard. We said we will work hard to multiply the owner's investment before his return. We have to work hard. He's gonna expect a return. He doesn't wanna come back and find you unprepared, caught off guard. No, he wants to come back and see us faithful, working, multiplying. These servants, these first two servants went to work. And you know what, so often, this is also true in our culture, so often we want the gift without the grind. We want the blessing without the burden. And I'm just telling you, if you think that, that Jesus is gonna return and find you faithful and you're largely just sitting on your hands or you buried his gifts in a, in, 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 in a hole in the ground, man, it, let's be sad. Listen, we need to get to work. We need to be excellent with what we do. We, 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 need, we need to serve. Listen, I'm grateful for the over 300 of you that, man, you gave up a lot of time this week to make VBS happen. And listen, the kingdom of heaven will echo your faithful service because we're gonna see some people in heaven and share eternity with them because of what God did this past week. And you're a huge part of that. So, you know, I couldn't take time off to, to be there, but I give and I support the ministry of Bell Shoals and I support the work of the church. You're part of the win. Every kid who got saved, every family connecting to our faith family. Listen, I'm just saying, you gotta get to work. Don't think that you're just gonna get the gift without the grind. Listen, Jesus said, these, these guys are working hard. They're multiplying the investment. And God, let me tell you something. God, God's not asking you for you to be the best that there ever was. You know what excellence is? Excellence is not being the best. Excellence is bringing your best. And all God's asking of you and me is that we bring our best in our service, in our giving, in our influence, in our conversations, bring your best. Multiply what he's given to you. 
If you'll do that, goodness gracious, you'll be overjoyed at his return. Jesus comes back, man, you'll be one of the first to, yes, Lord, I'm so happy to see you. Look, Jesus, would you just look at the multiplying work of your kingdom here? Can I just be honest with you? I, I think for the last 60 years, the primary reason Jesus has had his hand on the ministry of Bell Shoals is because from day one, we have been a faith family that is about the kingdom of God. Supporting the work of missions, supporting the work of ministry, planning churches. Man, we haven't been about us. We have been about the kingdom of God. And when the Lord returns, it's gonna be a faith family known as Bell Shoals. I want you to be a part of this saying, yes, Jesus, look, God, look at, at what you've done. We're so excited to see you. We're so excited to share with you, to show you what's happened here. We are so happy you're finally back. That's our hope. I want that to be your hope. 